Welcome again to Contextualize. I'm AJ. Jim here. Hey. Hey. Uh, it was October. It was October 31st last time we did this, and we made a declaration that we would do it next week. And I'm thinking about the calendar. I had no we idea. missed it, didn't we? How did we miss it? Did we not do it last week? It's November 9th. I know, but uh, I Yeah. I listened oh, to our podcast the 31st, on the 31st. That was last Tuesday. Oh, so we're on. It was early in the week because you took <laughs> I'm we're not restarting a podcast. We're committed to not restarting. Uh Anyway. Yeah, so we nailed it, actually. We did. We, did. <laughs> we just um, did it early last week, that's all. We are sitting in our new Tinted Windows studio. Mm. Yeah, you can still hear the train, though. We the heard train it like did a just... minute ago, so <laughs> you all will not get to hear it. But we did get to hear it, but man, it's less drafty. It is far less drafty. And if the sun is shining through the actual, like, it doesn't bake me where I sit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a very big difference. It be like in a laser, so... It is so true, yeah. If you're a fan of weatherization, this building is now, on the third floor at least, championing that which you care about. Well, we, talk, we talked about like some small things we could chat about, um, yep. and uh, October 31st was not one of them, yep. uh, the last time we podcasted. But um, So this Sunday is actually, I think it's, it's always a big deal when the Word of God is preached among God's people, yeah, right. um, but it's very cool when an intern gets to preach. Yep. And so Troy's preaching his second sermon at Christ Community. He told me, though, he said, because we do two services, I'm preaching my third and fourth sermons. (laughs) So to clarify, yeah, it's his second date with his third and fourth sermons. Um, Most recently, and for multiple years, you were serving in a role where you were not an ordained pastor, but you were an intern. Yep. You were in seminary simultaneous. Mm I was in Troy's shoes, yeah. Yeah. And now you, you had years of campus ministry that... He yeah. didn't have as yeah. far as just years in or you know in right. ministry, right? But do you remember the first time you preached? I do. It was it was First Peter, chapter one, verses thirteen ish or something like that. I don't, I don't here remember what year here it was, Christ was, but it was you. Yeah, I remember you. Are I you sure it wasn't Second Peter? Yeah, I'm sure it was. We Second did First Peter. Peter? Second, no, no, it's just an a one off. Oh, it was a one off. Yeah. That's why, because I'm like, I know yeah. I preached through Second Peter. Um, okay. But we preached through First Peter here, oh, we not did. Second Peter. See, <laughs> never mind my memory. Because Second Peter is wild. I mean, it's, it is it's wild. a different book. It is wild. No, it was First um, Peter. I'm we, sorry. We might reference First Peter here in about ten. I can't wait minutes, to talk so. about Genesis and but, see where my uh, mind goes. No, but this is what <laughs> like losing my thought. Here we go. Um, I was take. It was when I was taking my uh, preaching class, where for a class I had to write a sermon, and you asked me. To preach said sermon here, and uh, I, I just remember I, I probably didn't say a whole lot other than just like sure, you know, on the outside. But on the inside, I was like, "Are you sure about this? So, like, am what, I ready for that?" Was what you? Yeah, well, you were ready. Obviously, now I look back, but like, was what you sent into your or what you preached for school, uh-huh. and what you preached Christ Community? Was it? Similar, or did you do like major? Oh, it was it was pretty similar. Okay, yeah, so yeah. it was, it was very consistent thing. with your yeah. with your journey. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, Troy's in a different place than you are. Yeah, like I don't think he's at the same place seminary wise yet. He'll get there soon, um, mm-hmm. because he made a comment to me, and he's not in the room with us, so we're going to talk about him with much more freedom. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he said, Jim, I'm still trying to figure out what I take into the pulpit, mm-hmm. what notes oh, I yeah right yeah, and I remember and I've wrestled through that. Well, good. Yeah, I don't wrestle through that anymore. Yeah, well, like, and I, I've I've landed. 
Okay, good. But yeah, I know but that it kind of blew me away. My mind was like, oh wait, yeah, you're still trying to figure out what do I carry into? Like, is it we'll, manuscript? Is it outline? Is it a manuscriptish outline? Yeah, it, we're gonna call it a pulpit. You, what, but what do I set on the music stand? Yeah, yeah. right. And and he has not figured out yet how high yeah. he wants the music stand to be. For that's a very important thing to figure out. <laughs> it, it's. I mean, there are so many little things that you yeah. just don't think about till you have to do it. <laughs> so I. I put it in the email, and maybe I'll just I'll turn this into a question. But I put it in the email to the congregation on Sunday. First of all, I'm proud of him. I've listened to him preach his sermon twice. I listened to it two weeks ago. He got partway through and just said, "Here's where I'm at. What do you think?" And then he preached further this week, almost in its completed form, mm-hmm. into an empty sanctuary with me with Jim sitting there. Yep. Right? It was awesome. Um, but I think through like what what he's thinking. I think through him preaching. How important is it to be a part of the local church for you when you got to preach some of your first sermons? Uh-huh. It was oh, to the very yeah, church yeah. that you and your wife are participating in as members. It's not like done in a vacuum right. or done in some audience With, of strangers or a seminary professor critique. Like, yeah. These are your people. Yeah. So tell me yeah. like what it was like, if you can recall, yeah. to have Christ community be the audience. Yeah, I think or, that... That's a better question than I'll have an answer for. Um, oh, it's a great question. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, you're making me think. I just don't know if I have concrete thoughts on it. But, um, I mean, I think part of it, uh, if, if we can use the idea of family, which yeah. I was preached on a couple months ago, right, from Matthew. I mean, you get, you get to preach to your family, to people you know, people you care about, people that care about you. And um, you're not preaching to strangers who may love you in a sense, you know, like they're thankful sure. for you to be there. And I've preached to other churches where I'm like, I don't know these people, but I'm thankful to be here. I'm th- you know, they're thankful for me. But um, when it's your church, I mean, they know you, you know them. There's a whole lot of relationship there. Um, and I received a whole lot of encouragement from that, just from people, feedback and encouragement, thoughts, both, you know, positive and critical feedback, uh, not crazy critical, but just, you know, uh, helpful thoughts. But one of the things I'm always thankful for, and this is true here, is that our church prays for our, the preached word. And so I like, agree. Troy this week probably is getting prayed for more this week than he normally does. I agree. Is, is you know, that's how I feel every, every that's time I preach. So cool. And that's a, that's a super helpful thing, man. That's huge. Well, one of the things about vision mm-hmm. is vision has to be reiterated or it leaks. Right. Yep. And so I wouldn't say to the congregation, we've got this vision of having an internship. Okay. We have a vision of being a church that is about, seeing God's people mature into Christ. That's our, for, mm-hmm. you know, Colossians 1.28. But pragmatically, yeah. it's part of our vision that we would see ministers of the gospel raised up in a place where they can make mistakes. Yeah. They yeah. can also practice yeah. the exercise of their gifts. Yeah. They can not just be free to make mistakes, but also be used by God effectively with the gifts he's given them that are yeah. different than the gifts AJ has or Jim has, whatnot. Um, so I'm going to say two things. First... A minister of the gospel should should never stop making progress in how they handle God's word. Yep. Yep. Troy's in a place of making progress. I hope I'm in a make a, in a place of making progress. You're in a place of making progress. <laughs> I had a church member tell me yesterday uh, a spontaneous interaction. Yeah. And they said two things. They said first of all, "Hey, Jimmy, when you first came to Christ Community, I was super wary of you." I'm like, really? <laughs> I said, I know, I look like I'm all energy, but I'm actually kind of old school in some regards. And uh, I just listened to them say, I was actually concerned the church was going to radically change. I hope it hasn't. But then they said, man, AJ's really come along. 
I'm like, yeah, of course he has. He's called, he's equipped, he's gifted, and guess what? He gets to exercise his gifts being developed inside the church that loves him and his wife and his yeah. family. Yeah. Well, now I bring all this. That's my kind right. of first point yeah. is yeah. we're always to be making progress, yeah. and a local church who sees us make progress is a best-case scenario. Yep. Yeah. Secondarily, I want to just call all of you who will be at church Sunday, and I'll be away this Sunday, though I've heard the sermon twice, and I'm excited. <laughs> um, understand your role. Your role is to hear the Word of God like every week. Ask for God's Holy Spirit to help you Im- implement it and apply it in your life. Mm-hmm. But when s- something like this happens, your role is also to support someone in whom God is developing gifts of ministry. Mm-hmm. And your role is not to be critical. Your role is not to say, oh, you know, it wasn't the same as I mean. Yeah. Your role is to say, God, what path are you taking Troy and Samantha on? And I want to pray for them while I receive your word. Yeah. And so, yeah. again, a big challenge to say yeah. that in God's kindness, really with you, AJ, first, but four years ago, four-ish years ago, we started saying, we're going to have interns here. Yeah. Troy's round number two. Yeah. Uh, He's differently gifted than you are. He has a lot less hair, a lot more facial hair. You know, there's some things. He's more gifted and musically than you or I are, but at the same Amen time, he is, he's he's looking for and asking God to show him the Troy yeah. approach to preaching. Yeah. And I am not just begging, but I also want to tell, tell those who are listening, if you're Christ community members and, and regular attendees, give that gracious latitude for a person to discover mm-hmm. their gifts. Mm-hmm. I was given that opportunity in a church in Chicago. Yeah. You were given that opportunity in a church you knew way better that you spent lots of time in. Yeah. Troy gets to do it here with some kind of middle amount of experience among the body since he was in college. Yeah. But do pray for Troy this week and look forward. He also gets to preach a great text. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll leave that to... Yeah, it's going to be... Yeah. Yeah, there's a part of me going, oh, I wish I was (laughs) preaching that, but... We didn't give him the most difficult Matthew text. <laughs> no, it's not. It's no, it's we, a great one. We did not give him a genealogy from Genesis, hey. which was anyway. So okay, well, we'll move on into our Genesis stuff here. But yeah, yeah. Thanks be to God for what He's doing. Yeah, absolutely. pretty cool. Okay, so AJ, how many chapters should we cover in one podcast now that we've seven? It's a biblical number. Just chapter or, seven or twelve? Or... <laughs> uh, no. I don't know, we're gonna we're gonna do seven and eight. We'll see if we get more than that. But seven and eight really goes together. Last week we we led up to the flood, right? God's instructions to Noah before that. We t- began to talk about the flood, but this week seven and eight, man, it it's the flood happens. The time has come. Yeah, and I I did listen to our podcast this morning just to remember what we'd said, and you know, again, it was just last week, not two weeks ago. So my bad on that, but. It is very real that six to nine is a single narrative. Yeah. Functionally yeah. speaking. Right, right. Because there are a few block. times yep. you mention stuff that's going to happen in nine with God's covenant with Noah. So really where we enter in today is in the middle of middle the section. Of the story. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um so how many of each animal did Noah take on the ark? I don't like the sound of that question. It sounds like <laughs> a, a riddle. Because I was gonna say two. Right, but verse two. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals. It's like one of those little details in this story. <laughs> we just pass. This is why we do we do our podcast without a ton of preparation. You know, I like to ask my kids though, how how many animals did Moses take on the ark? And that usually gets them until they figure it out. But yeah, although, although uh, oh hey, we did last time we did a podcast. Yeah, we got tickled how often we said Moses and Noah. Oh, we started, it happens. It, it was yeah. almost like me preaching on. 
uh, Herod and Herod John the Baptist. And, yeah. I don't. Corey was like, you know, I think the sermon was good today, but you swapped names <laughs> up more than you usually do. Are you sleeping enough? <laughs> there's there's some names okay, swaps so, that are worse than others. So just yeah. to be clear, Moses did not take the right. animals on the ark. All right, yeah. All right. So so back. Okay, so chapter seven, verse one. Lord says to Noah, "Go into the ark, you and your house. I've seen that you are righteous before me in this generation." Verse two. Take seven pairs of all clean animals, male and his mate, and a pair of animals that are not clean, the male and his mate. Seven pair, and he talks about the birds as well. So there's there's seven pairs for the clean animals, one pair for the others. Um, it's just a little detail we use. It, it, it is, pass. but also can I throw a little wrench in this whole thing? Yep. At what point do God's people have the law of God codify for them what's a clean or unclean sure, animal? Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we don't have anything before this that indicates that. Right, but who's authoring this? Right, Moses. Moses is, who yeah. received the revelation of God in the law. And so we we spent time in our last podcast yeah. saying, hey, there's a lot of stuff that Moses' first audience would know that uh-huh. we don't spend as much time thinking about. Yeah, You don't actually have in the order of revelation for us what's a clean and unclean animal yet. Right, right. Moses' audience, however, his first audience... Absolutely did. They yeah. knew exactly what yep. was unclean and what was clean. Yeah. Okay. So you do have this surprising word, seven, yep. in detail here that we often skip over. So yep. appreciate that question. I'll look for one for you later. <laughs> <laughs> then verse four, God says, In seven days I'll send rain on the earth, 40 days, 40 nights. Every living thing that I've made I will blot out from the face of the ground. Verse five, Noah did all that little Lord commanded him. So this is the setup, right, again, that the, the flood's about to happen and then... It begins in verse 6. Noah's 600 years old when this happens. I actually had a conversation yesterday with somebody who was like, this is crazy. Like, these dudes didn't really live that long. And, like, it was a great conversation. We got to actually, like, enter into it. Corey and I talked about this. Yeah. We're like, think about it. Methuselah, you know, these guys. Just considering the year that's recorded in Scripture, they would, since Christ, they would have lived half the time. Functionally, just about, yeah. not quite, nine hundred years, whatever. Yeah. So this is six hundred, but just imagine, like, yeah, it's a long. <laughs> just take where we are and go back six hundred years, or take where we are and go back nine hundred years. Yeah. Like, yeah, the fourteen. Okay. I mean, you enjoyed the revolution, <laughs> and the new windows on. Right. At, anyway, okay. So Noah's six hundred years old when the floodwaters came upon the earth. Noah. His sons, his wife, and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters. He'd obeyed. Yep, he did it. I really appreciate the thought of the the magnitude of this task for him. Yeah. Was it up to 75 years? Was it decades? What was it? Right. But at, but at some it. point, yeah. it's time to go into the ark. Yeah. Yep. And he needs to obey everything that God's commanded. And we see that really explicitly. Is it verse 8? Yeah. The clean animals, the animals not clean. He did what was required. He yep. brought them in two by two, male and female. Yeah. And we can begin to note some of the, there's some time markers throughout this narrative. Um, so he's 600, verse 10, after seven days, the water came on the earth. Then we get to verse 11, um, 600th year of Noah's life, kind of repetitive there. In the second month, 17th day of the month, so we're getting the exact day. On that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth. The windows of the heavens were open. Rain fell for 40 days and 40 nights. So, God gives instructions. There's seven days that, that, of waiting, and then the rain begins. The waters break forth from everywhere. I mean, it's a wild scene if you try to picture it. And that happens. The, the, the waters fill the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. But implied, or explicitly implied, uh, is this thought that for seven days, it didn't appear that Noah 
was doing some, you know, emergency emergency action. Yeah, yeah. To yeah, save his family. Yeah, right, right. And, and nothing catastrophic. Had no, and with the work that I've done with yeah, the work I do with with housing nonprofits, I've been around a couple floods. Yeah. And we're talking neighbors knocking on the door at night saying, "Come, get in my car and drive now, or, or it's going to be too late." Yeah. Or come get in my boat yeah. because the water's rising. Yeah. Yeah. That's not Noah's experience. Right, right. He, they get in the boat and they obey and then they wait. Yeah, yep. Fascinating. And then uh, seventeen, the flood continues for forty days. Right, the the ark's rising high above the earth. The waters prevailed. Uh, we we mentioned this last week, uh, I think. But nineteen, uh, all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. And this is one of those verses that doesn't really make sense unless you see this as a global flood. Or if you just see it as a, a flood of an area, that sentence is hard to make sense of. Um, the waters are above the mountains by 15 cubits, 20-something feet. Uh, and then all flesh uh, that moved on the earth is destroyed in this. Uh, verse 23, he blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground. Only Noah was left and those who were with him. And then verse 24, the waters prevailed on the earth for 150 days. So... Well, one thing that I'll point out, I mentioned these time markers. So again, verse 10, seven days. Then we've got 40 days, 40 nights in verse 12. Verse 17, 40 days. The end of verse 24 is 150. And as we get into chapter 8, we're going to see that reversed. We've got 150 days in verse 3, 40 days in verse 6, seven days in verse 10. And then we get to the 601st year. So there's this is what's called a chiasm or chiasm. Think of an X. There's not a lot of narrative chiasms, though. Chiasms, X's. I don't know. Maybe there's more than I think. I think there's, yeah. But I'm just saying it's a poetic. Right. It's a poetic yeah, 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 tool. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Or or, or or poetic structure. Yeah. And it's awesome when we see the scriptures kind of do that, which is, it fits together yeah. in the inverted way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's you know, that's kind of be a little bit beyond our time, but that's something you know, as you're reading this, you can actually mark those out and kind of follow a little bit of how Moses is structuring this. I mean, he, he's putting these, these in there on purpose for us. Um, so that's helpful. But, uh, you want to God. start verse 8? Yeah, but God. Yeah, you said but, and I was like, I'm just looking at that, and I'm thinking about like Ephesians 4. Right? Yeah, Isn't yeah, it? yeah. But God. Yeah, it's, it's all bad, but God. There's, he, yeah. He remembers Noah. He made a wind blow over the earth, and then the waters begin to recede. Right, and, and, and we have this story, right? But, the, the waters keep going back. Noah's trying to figure out how, how dry is it, you know. Right, right. And Go before ahead. we get to that, those specifics, but like there's a, I like text types. I yep. like thinking through them. And while in most of my life I'm not black and white, when it comes to text types, I'm like, if it's poetry, I need to put on certain glasses. Yeah. yeah. If it's narrative, I put on certain glasses. If it's yeah. discourse, certain glasses. Yeah. This is wild because you got chiasm here. Mm-hmm. You got this poetic description of that which is a narrative scene yeah. I mean it's a historic scene right? Yeah. so look at verse 2 of chapter 8 that the windows of the heavens were closed that is gorgeous yeah. poetic imagery laden description yeah. of that which the rain stopped Yeah. but think about the way the word of God works right. like God's authority and Moses knew it to reveal his glory to do that which he alone could do as God it's just like he shut the windows, stopped letting rain come in. Right. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. It's just beautiful yep. to me. Yeah. So you have poetic, visual description in the middle of this narrative text. And the water subsided when uh-huh. God closed the windows. Uh-huh. Man. 
And so Noah sends a raven, right? Then, then he sends a dove. Uh, verse 9, the dove found no place to set her foot. Verse 10, he waited another seven days. We see that same number again. Sends a dove out again. Verse 12, he waited another seven days, sent forth the dove, but she did not return to him anymore. And so right, there's actually some dryness here. So verse 13, the 601st year in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked. The face of the ground was dry. The dry land is back. And again, this if we're reading this in context, like this should echo Genesis chapter 1. right? When God made the dry ground come up right, to, to form the dry ground away from the water, right, to be on dry ground is important. It's, a, it's theologically important here. And, and so he arrives at that dry ground here. So in our region, we've had a lake that got lowered to address the needs of the dam. <laughs> yeah, the Boone yeah. Lake, right? You right. got the dam project. Um, I didn't just cuss, it, but it was a long project. And we have family that live on that lake. And yeah. just to think through, like, when the waters recede, there's nothing under them. Yeah. And I've seen that on Boone Lake. Yeah. And then how long does it take for growth to start back? Yeah. You know, and then, of course, the water goes back up because they keep lowering the right. dam each year. Right. Um, picture this scene of just how long does it take? For after 150 days for green vegetation to start to grow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like it's the next hour. Right. There's a lot that has to happen. Right. God is faithfully not going to allow his wrath to bring full destruction. And you mentioned it in our last podcast. Uh Uh-huh. Noah's the seed, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole earth is going to reseed itself. Right. Yeah. And that's what we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, right, 16, go out from the ark, you, your family, bring out all the animals, uh, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply. So even, you know, we, we mentioned that. It's going to come up again um, probably in our next episode. But uh, that, that was what was given to Adam. But here are the animals in this new creation, in this recreated world following the flood, are given that task. All right, go be fruitful, multiply. Fill this earth that I've... Just recreated yeah. to wipe out all the sin, like populate it, honor me. And so that's what we see. Every beast, every creeping thing, verse 19, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Yeah. Does that imply babies were born in the ark? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, you know. That I, was my question. Yeah, you, right. you, you, tre- you teased me earlier, but like they went out by families and you have. Yeah. But well, I mean, a, you know, a pair could be a family though too. But it is interesting. <laughs> this is very true. I didn't yes. notice that. Yes, that this there. is very true. Um, so, my my thought is is we pause here and pick up the in, you know kind of what what happens once they get off the ark. Yes, next week. but go ahead. I just want to at least acknowledge okay. that the next thing Noah does. Can yeah. I say it? Yeah, go do it. Yeah, he worships. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we can talk more about the worship later, but like, he worships. Yeah. God didn't destroy everything. He didn't blot out everything. In his kindness and his mercy, he's yeah. he's not only saved us, but he sustained us through that wrathful, yeah. you know, act of yeah. the flood. And the next thing Noah does is worship. So that's kind altar. of a teaser yeah. a little bit, but... 
Man. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll add to that that, you know, again, thinking of the literary context or the historical context of this, that Moses is writing this to the Israelites. They know what clean animals are. They know what right sacrifices are. And here, Moses takes some of every clean animal and every clean bird and offers them on the altar. And so, all of a sudden, we know why he took more than a pair of the clean ones. Wow. Right? Because there's worship that's going to follow the redemption. And that worship is described later in Leviticus. But even here, right, he's making right, right worship, right? Pure worship, authorized worship. So, so some that. of the animals spared on the ark were spared unto a purpose of sacrificial worship. worship. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. yeah. The way the text reads. Right. Immediately. Right. And, and it, you know, it, it appears you know, not to wipe out that species. Right. Right. But some of the excess, if you will, right, the, the more than a single pair, right? There were seven pairs. So, yeah, they were dedicated to the Lord, given to the Lord. I mean. Can I fast forward way into the uh-huh. gospel for the yep. sake of just not necessarily unpacking more of Genesis, but all creation, Philippians 2, mm-hmm. will worship. Mm-hmm. There's a day mm-hmm. coming when God yep. will be worshipped. Yep. Every knee will bow on things yep. on the earth, under the earth. and the, you know, yeah. There will be full worship of God. Yeah. And you have this thought that God utilized the some of the clean animals he saved unto his worship. What is the point of all creation? What is the point of especially those made in the image of God? Mm-hmm. And as mm-hmm. Noah, yeah, evidences its obedience of God for the worship of God. Yeah, and so Noah obeys God, which God then used as an act of sac well sacrifice of salvation yeah. to save the people of God. Right, but then immediately he worships, yeah. and so you just have obedience and worship being like embedded in this story. Yeah, yeah. It's phenomenal. It's beautiful. Well, let me let me jump to another passage and um, just kind of tie this in. And this is interesting timing. But um, we've we've talked about some connections historically, right? That this had would have with Leviticus and other things. But we can also look and see how does how does the rest of the Bible use our text? Yeah. Right. How does the rest of the Bible look back at what happens here? And we can say more than this. But there's a passage in First Peter, since we were talking about that earlier. Um, it was my first amazing sermon. I'm just no, kidding. no. This I didn't preach on this text. <laughs> this would not have been a good first sermon text, probably. Um, but he, he talks about this, and there's some uh, interesting questions we could get into at some future First Peter podcast. But uh, what he says, where are we? Uh, chapter First Peter three, like twenty to twenty one and okay. twenty two. Right, he's talking about the ark. Um, right, eight persons were saved safely through water. And then he says this, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who's gone into heaven and is at God's right hand. And so, I mean, this is a tricky text in some ways because... Oh, it'd be absolutely, it'd be like hazing to ask a seminarian (laughs) or, hey, this is your first sermon. Oh my gosh. But, But on the surface, like... I mean, Peter has what you might call a high view of baptism. He says baptism corresponds to Noah's Ark in the water, and baptism corresponds to this, and it saves you as an appeal for a good conscience to God through the resurrection of Christ. So, I guess, like, how do we, you know, thinking about what we just read in Genesis, thinking about what Peter says here, how does Noah's, how does the story of Noah's Ark help us 
understand baptism. Yeah, absolutely. And I say it's interesting timing because we have five baptisms on Sunday. And so if you're timing. if you're attending Christ community, I want you to just kind of you know, put a notch on the wall or whatever of your of your history with us. Like there's some cool stuff happening. Yeah. I mean, four of the next four of five weeks total, we're having <laughs> baptisms or memberships. Thanks be to Jesus. But okay, AJ, when I've talked to others about baptism, the First Peter text is very important. Yeah. And the reason for that is not only does baptism, as Paul would write in Colossians two, or you know, isn't is is it a sign of washing, uh-huh. which I would par- we would parallel to circumcision and uh-huh. the cutting off, separating God's people from a world of sin and dirt and right. So it, it's the means of which we're. It's a sign about which we've been washed and cleansed. But the waters of baptism also give warning. Yeah, yeah. And let's just, let me make this very pragmatic. Let's say one of my kids, at some point in life, is going to, they're going to rebel. And they're going to walk away from Christianity, walk away from the gospel we preach and say, I don't need Jesus. I don't need to be forgiven of my sins. Okay. What do I get to say to them? according to the scriptures, about not only needing to be saved, but also their own baptism. I think it's important to be able to say, hey, listen, by the very sign of baptism that you received, Mm -hmm. you need to understand it's not just a sign of the cleansing that comes through Jesus. That's all over the scriptures. Mm -hmm. It's also a warning sign of that which God will do through water. He he judged with water. He washes with water, but he also judged with water. And so be very careful to consider who you're rejecting and... Mm-hmm. The need you have for rescue from the God who used water to judge. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way Peter's using it mm-hmm. in First Peter 3. Yeah. He's actually saying the waters of baptism are not just a washing symbol. They're a warning symbol. Yeah. yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, it, it's super helpful. Because even with circumcision in the Old Testament, I mean, it's got the positive and negative signs built into it. right? You're right. cut off for God, but if you are not faithful to God, you'll be cut off. You yeah. know, it, it, We can see that both sides too. Um, but I'd, I'd say on the positive side, um, I think it's helpful to see right Noah's ark, the ark, and God's preservation of a people while he uh, executes his judgment on everyone else with water. Right, Noah passed through the water, if you will, yeah. in that story. And, and all who were in Noah yeah, were spared. Re- received that. And yeah. so like when we pass through baptism, I mean, we can, we can think on our own baptism and think about the story of the flood, right? We will be preserved from the wrath of God's water as we pass through the waters of baptism, i.e., through the resurrection of Jesus. That's, yep. that's what it's ultimately about. It's not the water that saves us, but it's it's Christ. And so, uh, I, I, yeah, I just think it's helpful. It adds some um, weight, some proper weight, to how we see baptism. I'll go on a limb here okay. because we don't. I don't know we're going to talk about this, but like this would be to me an argument against rebaptism. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Biblically. Yeah. So you you have somebody who says, well, I'm now more serious. Let's say I rebelled. I walked away from the faith. And now I come back. Mm -hmm. I need Mm -hmm. to be baptized again because my faith is more sincere and my faith is actually real. It obviously wasn't real the last time. Yeah. And I would say, well, baptism is God's sign. Yeah. And it's God's sign of washing and cleansing of sin. It's also God's sign of rescuing you from the wrath you deserve. Yeah. So if you came back to faith and you've already received the sign of baptism Mm -hmm. then you have a sign that indicates two things it's a double sign it's the sign of saving it's a sign of well it's a sign of washing and sign of saving yeah and so i would just say to a child if it was one of my children i'd be like no 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 (laughs) the first thing you don't need is another baptism what you need is to thank god 
that he is actually he he saved you from the wrath you deserve, which is really embedded in the water symbol itself. Yeah. So again, yeah. I would just say it's an argument against rebaptism. Yeah, that's good. Well, I'll, I'll add one more thing. Um, which, let's see if we are on the same page here. Uh, which two New Testament churches that receive a letter from Paul are like the worst churches? You know, like wh- what are the two most? Well, Church of Corinth is easy challenging. for say, me. Corinthians. That was one of the two I've got. I don't know if I. Well, I can tell you. First and second Corinthians. Okay. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I was going to say Galatians. Okay, good. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. You know, like they're, they're both, there's some rebuke, right, language in those. Oh, Galatians and, um, is strong against the Judaizers and everything like that. They got like it backwards. The, kind of a, yeah. a cheeky thought is that um, if, if there were ever a New Testament letter where Paul would tell somebody to be rebaptized, it'd be First Corinthians or Galatians. But in both of those letters, he actually talks about the unity that baptism has given. And so he, you know, just to add to what you're saying, right, there's there's not a good reason to, to be rebaptized. But we're like, I did not know we were going to. No, I was about to say, there. if you're listening for the very first time, what often happens on our contextualized podcast is we go, okay, we're talking about that now. That's, that's and uh, so it's very intentional that AJ and I, we might spend 10 minutes and read the text in advance, but we don't want to spend much more than that because we just want to talk. Yep. Yep. About what the Bible says. And yep. so today we were led to something I didn't expect to go to. But yep. that was also because it was on your mind to go yeah. to First Peter. I'm yeah. thankful for that. Yep. And the the judgment God brought Noah through has whole Bible significant importance. Which means it should have importance to us. Yeah. And it's easy to look back and say that was just this thing. An event. Mm-hmm. And now we, we're way disconnected. No, no, actually, the way the New Testament writes is we're not disconnected from any of these things because in these things we see who God is and how God works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the New Testament often will tell us that's still how he works. Right. It's actually mm-hmm. symbolic or emblematic or typologically pointing to how he worked fully in Christ. Yeah. And so yeah, I think we, it's okay to hold this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We should. Yeah. So. Oh, good. Cool. Good landing of the plane there. Until next week. We will now turn the on-air sign off. I hope you have a good week.